Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, an international five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete recording this at my home in Chester County, Pennsylvania. And I'm Tyler Held, a semi-professional, semi, not semi-professional, semi-retired professional five-star groom and sport performance psychology doctoral student and practitioner, a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation. Um, I am a gym owner and a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I'm actually recording in Rising Sun, Maryland. So I think we're all three in different states today, and I sort of gave it away that we are actually doing a guest episode today with Sarah Lilly. So Sarah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So I'm Sarah Lilly. I'm a certified clinical EFT or tapping practitioner. I'm also a mentor for EFT Universe. So I mentor and teach the next generation of EFT practitioners. And I'm passionate about bringing EFT to the equestrian community because so many riders struggle after traumatic falls or injuries. And as a trauma informed modality, EFT is just the perfect fit to support riders finding their way back to ease, fun, and confidence. And I'm recording today from my home in New York City. Awesome. Yeah, we were all just talking before we started our recording how it's been unseasonably warm in uh, our areas, and it is back to fall today, which... um, you know, Sarah said was nice. I'm I'm not so sure. I liked the I liked the 80 degree uh, November days we've been having. But we're so lucky to have you on the show. And I was actually really excited when you reached out because I've been working on my final doctoral dissertation presentation and. Um, my case study is basically managing fears in equestrian athletes through more of a cognitive behavioral lens. Um, but as someone who's done some, uh, you, you can probably tell me how it's different, but I've done some EDMR therapy for myself in the past. I was really mm. interested to hear about EFT. So why don't you take it away and like tell us a little bit more about your work and what you do? Yeah, well, let me just start by saying what is EFT, because I think it's, you know, it's slowly coming into more of the vernacular. But for those of you who don't know, viewers, uh, listeners who don't know what it is, EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. Um, at its simplest, it's just a stress reduction technique. Um, it combines modern Western psychology, cognitive therapy, exposure therapy, and the ancient Eastern art of acupressure. And it's called tapping because as you're focusing on something that's stressful, whether it's an everyday stress or something more traumatic, like maybe you have had a really traumatic fall riding, as you're focusing on that traumatic event, you're tapping on these acupressure points on your face and torso. And what the research shows us is as you're tapping on those, on those acupressure points, you're actually sending calming signals to the brain, to the amygdala in the brain that controls that fight, flight, or freeze response. So as you're tapping, you're becoming more calm, you're actually lowering your cortisol, which is your stress hormone, and you're actually rewiring the neural pathways to your brain. 
So that allows any kind of unwanted emotion to dissipate. And you can actually view that event from a new lens. You can see it from a calm, centered place, and you can choose how you want to react to it as opposed to coming from a reactive or triggered place. I think that's like really awesome because when I've been working with athletes in the field of sport and performance psychology, I oftentimes feel like those cognitive interventions in and of themselves aren't enough, right? Like when someone's had a like physical trauma and they really like hold it in the body. I know we'll talk later about some books that we can recommend. Um, and the body keeps the score is a book that we've talked about on this podcast before those physical manifestations of, of trauma, I find can be really difficult to address. Do you feel like there's, um, certain classes of presenting problems that you deal with, with this therapy, or do you sort of cover a broad range of stuff? Yeah, so it's interesting. So when I first started working with EFT and working with equestrians, I worked with more traditional kind of performance anxiety, right? Like the dressage rider who, um, you know, rode beautifully at home, but then would get to the ring and everything would fall apart. Um, but then I had my own experience with kind of anxiety while riding. And I just really saw this need for, as you said, like, you know, to deal and move through trauma that can happen in this sport. And I feel like the, the, the two types of riders I work with the most either are kind of related to what my experience was. They'll say things like, you know, they had a minor fall, like a minor event where they maybe didn't, didn't even get hurt or they just had like a minor event. And they say things like, I don't know what's going on. Like I was such a confident writer. I don't know what happened. I didn't even really hurt myself, but like I'm having this like low level anxiety thing and I can't figure it out and it's super annoying. And like, why is this happening? What's wrong with me? Where did my confidence go, right? Like is that kind of piece? Or I deal with the other end of the spectrum, writers who've had like very traumatic falls, like kind of worst case scenario falls. And maybe they can't even talk about what happened without tearing up. Maybe they're having like really big nervous system reactions where they are desperate to ride again, but they just can't, right? It's like maybe they think they're totally fine, but the minute they get to the barn, they have this really big nervous system reaction that their legs start shaking or their heart starts racing or some nervous system reaction is being triggered. Or maybe they even think they're fine. They tack up, but the minute they get to the mounting block, they're having this nervous system reaction. So they're not actually able to ride right now because this big nervous system reaction is getting in the way. So I think those are the two groups I work mostly with. I think yep. that's fantastic. Um, so and I can see how that would be really useful, like coming at this from a trainer's perspective. You know, again, like I would approach somebody's past trauma or fall differently than you would. Um, and so I think combining, you know, multiple tools, you know, with like having the right instructor, having, you know, talking to a sports psychologist, working with someone like you who does EFT, like bringing that all together really could help um, get to the bottom of the issue. So since this is an equestrian podcast, can you give us just like a little overview on how you got into horses and riding and um, yeah. 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 So, um, well, first, Emily, I just love what you said. I'll just relate to that briefly. I, I so agree about that this modality is so in line with like sports psychology, right? It's just another piece, another angle to approach, use if needed. And all the sports psychology tours, I'm such a big fan of. So I, I just really resonate with that, that these modalities can just work so beautifully together. Um, 
And to answer the horse riding question, I grew up in England. I lived there till I was 16 um, when I moved to the States. And I grew up in England just kind of like galloping all over the British countryside. Like I didn't jump. I was just like loose and kind of pony club galloping around. We did like, we did like um, kind of like, what do you call it? Like, um, not like drill team. It was like we put costumes on it, almost do these like intricate dressage, very simplistic dressage kind of movements in costume, almost like these kind of plays and costumes. And um, then just, and then every other week we'd do dressage and every other week we'd get to gallop all over the Sussex Downs. And that was just my favorite. And so I think my first horse riding experiences were all about being outside. And, and for me, like horse riding is intricately involved with being outside and being in nature because of where my kind of roots are in riding. And then I moved to the States and it was kind of big culture shock for my entire family. I didn't ride for a long time. And then as an adult, I would kind of um, I would have a pattern of like riding for a few months and then work would get busy and I wouldn't ride and then I'd ride again and then I wouldn't ride. And then it wasn't really until probably now, like really the beginning of the pandemic that I really recommitted to, um, riding regularly, right. And really like having it be part of my life because I really, yeah, got clear that I would always say like, it's my favorite thing to do, but it was very in, in and out of my life. Right. And so in the last couple of years, I've really kind of recommitted to riding. Um, I ride at this stunning barn in, in uh, Penwick Sports Horses, shout out to them, um, in Newton at an eventing barn. And um, yeah, I'm just a recreational rider, right? I lease a horse, I ride two or three times a week, but it's definitely, yeah, such a passion of mine. And I, about a year ago, actually had my anniversary two days ago. I broke my shoulder in five places while riding. And so I didn't ride for five months. And one of the benefits of having that time was really getting so clear on like why I ride, right? And getting such clarity on why I do it and why it's so important to me. And um, that was actually kind of a gift of that. I don't recommend breaking your shoulder. I don't recommend, it was very frustrating too, but there was a huge amount of clarity that came in that period for me of like why I ride and really reigniting even more my passion for it, so. That's great. I love that because I feel like the one thing that I do with riders that are really going through those injuries and stuff like that is is placing value into what they do um, along the lines of the acceptance commitment therapy sort of framework of like hey like why why do you want to ride what's the value in overcoming this and to me it's 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 like an open compass of saying here's the piece that's missing of bridging the physical sensations with those mental sensations so i'm actually like super interested to get even more into the eft tapping uh, but before i ask another question about that just out of curiosity had you been working with equestrian riders in the eft before you got back into riding yourself because i personally feel like um, as someone who's not riding right now, it's always been a huge part of my life. I'm staying connected to horses through my clients uh, that are, you know, in the horse world and stuff like that. So I'm just curious how it lines up of when you started working with clients in the horse world. Yeah, so I, st I started working around, around that same time. So I actually have a background in a past life. I was an actor and a performer. So I worked a lot with actors and performers on performance anxiety in that performance space. Mm -hmm. And then it was such an easy transition into like the equestrian. And then I kind of saw this missing piece and then transitioned into, into much more kind of in trauma informed work. 
Awesome. Awesome. So when you're actually doing a EFT tapping session, what would that look like? Or uh, is there talk therapy involved in those sessions? How does it sort of break down? Yeah, totally a great question. Um, so it's really, um, it's almost like a Simon says, it's like almost like a call and repeat. So we talk about, you know, what they're struggling with, what their goals are. And there's many different techniques, but eventually we're going to get to the point where we're talking about this um, traumatic event, right? And the way we experience trauma is through the senses, right? It's like something we saw, something we heard, something we felt in our bodies. And so we need to kind of get it out of our bodies the same way it came in. So we're kind of hyper-focused on these sensory pieces of the event. And I'm going to use their words and I'm going to use their words around what they experienced. I saw this and there's gonna be a lot of repetition and then they're gonna repeat back after me. We always start with kind of an acceptance piece. It's called the setup statement. Uh, the irony of change, right, is that we can't change anything without first accepting where we're starting from. So there's always a piece around, I feel this and I'm open to accepting it, right? I feel X and I, I accept that's where I'm at right now, right? And then we just kind of move through the points and we're going to hyper focus because we really want to light up those neural pathways. We really want to light up those neural pathways so we can counteract them with this calming, calming tapping. Um, so there's a lot of call and response. There's a lot of repetition. We really want the brain to focus on what we're trying to kind of disperse. So we get the brain to focus. Um, and I think one of the big one of the big myths of EFT is that there's a resistance sometimes to focusing on the negative because we really focus on the negative first like the unwanted emotion, the trauma, right? And we do it very gently. It's a very gentle technique, but we do focus on that negative piece first. And especially in kind of manifestation culture, there can be this concern that I don't want to talk about the negative because I'm going to make more of it, right? Or it's going to get worse if I talk about it. But because we're pairing it with this tapping, instead of that emotion getting worse or growing, you're actually allowing it to disperse. And, you know, Louise Hay famously said, uh, you know, when you clean your house, you have to see the dirt first, right? So before we can move to something else, we kind of have to remove that unwanted trauma and those unwanted feelings first before we can kind of choose to put something positive on top of it. So based on, you know, each client that you're working with, are there different tapping patterns that are going to address different issues? Or again, like I'm, I'm coming into this very... Uh, green on the EFT knowledge level, you know what I mean? But are yeah, no, totally. It's great questions. Yeah, just kind of maybe explain yeah, that. So, yeah, so I mean, it's so funny because how the tapping points actually work, right? Is that we think of our bodies as like, I mean, I think of them mostly as kind of biological beings, right? But we're actually elect electric beings too, right? Like our nervous system. Our brains are all electric, right? So we're tapping on these acupressure points and we're actually sending little electrical signals to our brain. So we're really tapping into our electrical system. Um, and so, yes, there is, there is a kind of a, a recipe, we call it, of going through the points in a certain order, but it's not really, um, 
it doesn't really matter. For example, like, you know, if, if a client has an injury, if, when I broke my shoulder, like I couldn't use my right arm and I couldn't tap on certain points because I had the injury. So I couldn't literally couldn't move my arm. So I couldn't get to certain points. So you can just skip them. It's not a big deal. So we do go through the points in a certain order, but if you have to skip any for any reason, um, it's totally fine. Did that answer your question? Yeah, um, I think so. That, that so there are there are certain I mean in the in the basic recipe mm -hmm. there's sort of certain points that we go through and even we could even go through them now if you want we could just take a moment and like I can I can talk you through where they are so you can experience them. yeah that would be yeah great. I think that would be awesome mm -hmm. okay so uh, first of all before we even do that let's just kind of do a, little, a two second body check in so just close your eyes for a moment and listeners if you're listening you can do this too if it's safe to do so and you're not driving and just check in with your body and releasing any need to change or fix anything, but just kind of notice how your body feels in this moment. Just do a little body scan. I'm just, I invite you to take a deep breath and just notice how tight that breath is in this moment. And without overthinking it, just kind of gauge zero to 10. Zero being feels super tight 10 feeling it feels just so expansive and really free. So just notice kind of where you're at right now. Okay, so we'll just go through the points. So the first point is on the side of the hand. So it's right where the bottom of your pinky hits your hand. And you're just going to tap on the side of the hand there with three or four fingers. And you can use either hand. If one hand gets tired, you can switch hands. So just tapping there. And just breathing. And the next point is the top of the head. So if you put your thumbs kind of on the top of your ears, just where those pointer fingers meet, and just tapping on the top of your head. Again, using three or four fingers. This is a great spot if you ever have headaches. It feels really good if you have a headache. And we can acknowledge that if you haven't done this before, it might feel a bit strange to be tapping on your body. <laughs> totally normal. And we're breathing. And then we have the eyebrow point. So it's right at the beginning of the eyebrow, right where the eyebrow hits the bridge of the nose. And again, you can use two fingers, one on each side. You can just use one. Two is not better than one, so it's totally up to you. And you may find that, oh, this point feels really good or some points feel you know, better than others, also totally normal. And then we have the side of the eye. So this is right on the bone. It's right on the very corner of the eye, right on that ocular bone right there. This is the point that I find most people are confused around. So it's not, not over by your temple. It's right next to your eye, right in the corner of your eye, outside of your eye, right on the ocular bone there. And then we have the under the eye point. So this one you can actually feel the end of meridian. 
So the is right under on again on that ocular bone, right under your pupil. And if you find feel your way along that little bone, you can often find a tiny bit divot in that bone right there, right in the middle. And that's the end of the meridian point. So again, just tapping with two fingers. This is a great point if you're nervous or fear. And just breathing. And then we have the under the nose point. So it's right bet halfway between under the nose and top of the lip. Again, just tapping and breathing. Then we have the chin point. So again, right in the middle of the chin, right in that divot in your chin. And just tapping, whatever feels comfortable, trust your instincts. So if you were maybe just tapping on a table with your fingers, just. And then we have the collarbone point. So where the collarbone is that U-shaped bone, right? And there's kind of an inch down, an inch over. It's a little bit different with everyone. You'll find two kind of divots there. And you're just going to tap on that point. And again, you can use two fingers, two both sides, or just one. This is my one of my favorite points because you can do it in public really easily, and no one knows what you're doing. And these points too, they're very kind of you know when you imagine when you're stressed out, we naturally kind of put our head in our hands. We might rub our eyes. You might, you know, wring our hands together. They're kind of naturally where our body wants to touch when we're feeling stressed. Okay, and then the last point we'll do right now is just under the armpit. So it's right kind of, if you put your elbow down, it's right where your elbow would hit the side of your body. If you're someone who wears a bra, it's probably right on your bra line. And just tapping both those sides. You can either reach over and tap the opposite side, or you can kind of do it monkey style <laughs> and just tip those points. <sighs> Okay, so that's, and then just take it now, just close your eyes again and just check in with your body. <sighs> and just take a breath again and just notice if it feels any different. Well, thank you. How does your breath feel? Yeah, that was very helpful because I don't know about anyone else, but I learned through doing and um, so that was great and I feel a lot better now, so. Yeah, so even just, right, we didn't, we did that, I don't know, maybe two minutes maybe, yeah. but, you know, that's not using any cognitive anything, we're not focusing on anything, we're just using the power of the points to calm our nervous system. So even just doing that, right, it gives you, your body relaxes enough that you can take a deeper breath, right? Like my, my breath was like a three to probably an eight, right? Like it just relaxes your body so you can now take a deep breath. So even just doing that, right, like it's helpful just in your everyday life, right? If you, I know you're a meditator, Emily, like, Doing a couple of rounds of that without even worrying about talking before you meditate will like really ease you into meditation in a really lovely way. Um, it's great to do before bed to kind of like, you know, sort of get rid of the stress of the day before going to sleep. Um, so even just doing that can be helpful. Awesome. I think one of the things that like, really resonated with me first of all like the collarbone one was awesome I've broke my collarbone in the past and that like felt mm. it just like felt so good to like tap on the collarbone like absolutely mm. a release of like even just like the physical stress that I hold there um 
But in my mind, I was sort of connecting to, I don't know if you have any experience with um, some Masterson method bodywork for horses, um, but one of the things that they do in that sort of realm of bodywork is uh, go down the bladder meridian of the horse. And you're literally mm. just like tracing with your fingers. And it's crazy. Like you can literally not even be touching the horse on this meridian and they'll start licking and chewing and yawning and it's supposed to prepare them for the work that you're about to do. So as you were mm. mentioning meridians, I was sort of drawing connections there. I don't know if you would have any thoughts on that. Totally. Well, you know, there are actually practitioners who do actually tapping on horses. Okay. Like really that is that is not my yeah, that is not my area of expertise, although it's something I'm super interested in. And I've I tap the horse I lease, I tap a little bit, like on his paw a little bit and some of the eye points, and he'll start yawning, me just doing that for a couple of minutes. Um, so yeah, it is it's a fascinating. I mean, I think horses really respond to that. And again, that's not my area of expertise, but there are practitioners who who tap on horses, who use it, you know, for a stress reduction technique, just like a magna wave or some is that something like that to kind of relax stress in the horses and you know, post shows and use it as a stress reduction technique for horses. Yeah, and I think the other thing is talking about sort of the connection between the tension that we hold in our bodies and the tensions that the horses feel, right? Like to me, totally. The beginning of that exercise to the end of that exercise, if you can notice the difference that that makes in your body as a sport and performance psychologist, one of the things that I use in my practice is like giving riders pre-performance routines, right? Before you get in the saddle, what are you going to do to make sure your energy and your mindset is aligned? And a lot of the work that I do talks with like physical sensations, right? Because we hold so much tension in the body. And so I love that sort of just quick exercise. It's not even necessarily thinking. It's just like, hey, like, can we do this thing to release tension in our body? Totally. Yeah. I told Yeah. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just doing that again before I do it before I ride sometimes just again, just to like, get myself in a calm and centered place. Right? I had an amateur client who um, due to her work stuff, right, she had a really stressful job that she had to have to be able to afford to do the amateur work. Right. And she would unfortunately she knew knew it wasn't ideal. But there were days when she was on the show circuit where she would be literally kind of like working to the last minute on the computer and then kind of running over to compete. Right. And she knew it was not ideal like it was not ideal but like that was just the way it had to be and she I gave her a really great tapping routine to do that so she could really quickly kind of leave the stress of work and get back into a calm place and be able to ride effectively because she hadn't been able to achieve that before because that transition was just obviously too difficult so I think it's such a great tool for that for sure do you ever feel like there's um, clients that you have that aren't necessarily as self-aware of the tension that they're holding in their body and this like maybe opens up that awareness? Because I do feel like sometimes, you know, riders that have trauma will like turtle up in a certain way when they're riding and like that it's just like the lack of self-awareness for where their body is because that trauma causes so much tension that they're just not even connected to. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's a vast spectrum for anyone, right? Whether you've experienced trauma or not about how comfortable you are experiencing uncomfortable emotions, right? Like there are some people, maybe it's childhood trauma, right? That when those uncomfortable feelings come up, they want to push them down or deny them or bottle them up and not feel them, right? Mm -hmm. And they will just come out, unfortunately, later on in bigger, bolder ways, right? Like it's not 
emotions are energy and they want to move and they want to move out of us so unless we can experience them they're going to come out in really unhelpful ways and I think you're right there's definitely you know clients who um yeah are more in touch with their body than others and um yeah this is as you said there's a, a, a large spectrum of that for sure Absolutely. Absolutely. What about someone that would want to become certified in this? You mentioned that you do some some programs to teach people um, how to basically practice EFT. What does that look like? Yeah, so I, um, I'm a mentor for EFT Universe, which is the certification program that I um, got certified through. And it's run by Dawson Church, who um, is one of kind of the lead um, kind of researchers and leading clinical trials and research papers on the efficacy of EFT. Um, he really is just dedicated to having the science to back up the claims of EFT, which I think is really important because I think there was a misconception that it's kind of like this woo-woo thing. Um, but the certification program is, a, is um, kind of a year to 18 months, depending on your timing. It involves a heavy amount of reading and uh, papers and tests and kind of like the educational piece of it and, tr you know, dealing with trauma and kind of, um, you know, the, the sort of, educational piece of it and then involves um, a lot of practice sessions. I'm one of the mentors that gives you kind of feedback on those practice sessions um, with, you know, practice clients before we kind of approve you to be certified. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's definitely something that um, like right off the bat of talking to you, um, you know, there's clients that I have that I'm working with on a cognitive level that I could refer out for some of this to sort of patch in dealing with that physical sensation. Um, I talk a lot about, you know, are the traumas coming from mind to body or body to mind? So I feel like this is like a huge bridge between that. And so that's definitely something that I would be interested in um, sort of exploring more and also having you as a resource to sort of refer out as well. Totally. Yeah, I'd love that. The I think it's... Um... Yeah, it's even my personal experience is, is, was sort of like, I couldn't think my way out of it, right? Like I was having this nervous system reaction that felt like it was like out of my control. And that is ultimately because it was out of my control, right? What happens when we experience trauma is, right, the amygdala fires, which is great. Like we want that amygdala to fire, right? But if for some reason that trauma response like doesn't fully complete the cycle, right? And the amygdala gets stuck firing, right? That event doesn't get registered in your brain as a past event where you're safe and it's over. It still gets registered in your brain as kind of still present. It just keeps getting triggered. And that's happening on a subconscious level. So kind of oftentimes there's no amount of kind of thinking your way out of it that's gonna be effective. Like you really need to go back in there and kind of rewire that brain which is what tapping does so beautifully so your brain can register that event as no longer happening that you're safe so that that triggering stops happening well and that's like the the thing for me with equestrian sports is i feel like as i've gone through my you know mentorship experience trying to formulate my orientation of what's going to help these riders the biggest question is like hey their fears are sort of based in reality versus you take a basketball totally, player that's totally. dealing with like free throws. It's like, yeah, like I don't want to miss because people are watching me and yada, yada. And there's like social and emotional stuff going on. But when a rider makes some mistakes and has a fall, that's like, 
hey, this is serious. Like, you could get hurt. You could die doing this. Like, it's not so far out there. Um, I think there's, uh, like, 70,000 reported equine-related falls in the United States per year, and you tack that along with the fact that it's more dangerous than football, rugby, motorcycles combined. Like, it, it is a very real thing. And so when a client comes to me, I never want to say, hey, my goal is to get you to not be afraid completely because there is some sort of fear that's good and healthy. But if your body's appraising it in the wrong way, like that's never going to be facilitative to performance as well. Totally. And sometimes it feels like my writers will talk about it like it doesn't make sense, right? Like sometimes you can have a minor fall and you're struggling with anxiety. And sometimes you can have like a much more kind of what would seem like more traumatic fall with a bigger injury, but then you get back on the horse and it's totally fine, right? So there's also some si- some sense of the way trauma processes in your body, um, it can feel kind of random, right? Like clients will be like, I didn't even really hurt myself. I don't understand why this is happening, right? And so it can be really confusing. And I think trauma sometimes, like, I can speak to my personal experience. Like I, uh, the backstory, the backstory of this story is that I had a very traumatic event happen to me several years ago where, I mean, now now I talk about it, it's so absurd, it almost makes me laugh, but it was very traumatic for obvious reasons. So it was Christmas morning at 6 a.m. and my son and I and my husband are opening presents. He's opening his Santa presents and my, my husband and I are watching. And at 6 a.m. my husband has a massive stroke as that's happening. Oh my happening. God. Yeah, obviously very dramatic. He's okay. He's disabled, but he's fine. You know, fast forward, he's okay. So I just want to, that's the backstory to this story. Obviously, life was very different for a while, you know, thrown into a whole lot of things happening. Fast forward, I decide to start writing again. And I have, and I'm writing, it's totally fine, just once a week, love it. And I have a very minor incident. Like, I go over a jump, I don't close my fingers, and my little finger snaps. I hear it snap, but I don't fall or anything. I'm just like, oh my God, I broke my finger, I hurt it. And it was super annoying, very inconvenient, but like not really traumatic. Like it was just like stupid. It was one of those stupid things. Mm-hmm. I was writing again pretty quickly, but I had this low level anxiety thing that like I couldn't figure out. And it was just like, what is happening? And I, I would say what my clients now say to me, like I've always been a confident writer. Like where is this coming from? I don't get it. It's so annoying. But what my brain had done, which sometimes happens with clients, is you can't attach this trauma to something that's not even writing related. So what happened was when I worked with an EFT practitioner, in the very first session, what I realized subconsciously my brain had done as a pattern-making machine was when I worked on that little bit of trauma that the only thing I really remembered was this, thing, this noise of my finger breaking. And in that moment, what my brain had done was connected that with my husband's stroke, which was something I thought I totally handled several years earlier, right? So my brain was like, you could be going along, having a great time, Christmas morning, your husband could have a stroke, your whole world could change. You could be riding, going over jump, being totally fine, your finger could break. And my brain had like connected those two things on a subconscious level. And once I brought that up to the conscious level, it totally vanished. And like my anxiety totally went away. So sometimes our, our riding incidences can be related to something completely outside of riding too, right? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's like a really traumatic fall and that is the trauma. But other times it can also be related to something that's not related to writing, which I think is also fascinating how our how our brain works. That is fascinating. Yeah. And how do you, uh, like when you're working with your clients, is there, 
do you have moments like this kind of aha moments where all of a sudden they piece together like these two unrelated things are actually yeah I mean yeah so totally totally so there's these you know we call them cognitive shifts Mm -hmm. right because when you're when you're stressed like an, an everyday stress or stress when you're talking about anything right you literally have less blood in your brain, right? Like your brain is drained of blood because it's going to your appendages so you can like run away from the tiger fast, right? And so while we're kind of, they're talking about this traumatic event and we're tapping, they're moving into this calm place and suddenly they're able to see the event in a totally new way. And there'll be all, there'll be so many of these moments where you're like, oh, actually this, right? And even when we first start working on like a like a like a worst case scenario fall. I have a client I'm thinking about, and it's like a worst case scenario fall. And when we first started working on it, it, it felt so big and so overwhelming because there was there was so many pieces of this like really horrific fall she had. But when we started working on it, it was like actually a relief because she was like, oh, it's not actually that. I'm, I'm less intimidated by it. It doesn't feel like so big. I now just realize it's like a few sensory pieces that feel super triggering. That yes, I can tell we need to work on. But it's not actually this huge thing anymore in my brain. It's like just these few moments that I can tell we need to work on. These odd kind of snippets or sensory pieces kind of held onto. Um, so people can have these experiences like that where it's like, oh, I get it. They can also, there's always, there tends to be a shift pretty early on in terms of that acceptance or like compassion piece. Because so many of the times, understandably, clients come and it's so frustrating and it's like so annoying. But at some point they get to the point where it's like, you know what, it makes sense my body's doing this, right? And ultimately, again, like, it's not helpful to us as writers, but your body's just trying to keep you safe, right? So when clients have that realization of like, oh, like, I get this is super annoying, but actually my body's working really hard right now to try and keep me safe. It is like sending out all the alarms to be like, don't do this thing. Last time you did this thing, you got hurt. Don't do it, right? And it's not helpful to us in that moment, but it's ultimately it means well, right? And there always tends to be some moment around that, around like, Oh, thank you. Like, body, I appreciate you trying to keep me safe, but like, we're going to move through this and move past this. Um, And then as you said, yeah, there can be these kind of aha moments of like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Or, oh, actually, now I realize this. Because again, once your nervous system is calm and relaxed, your cognitive thinking comes back online and you're able just to see that event in kind of a new way and make these new connections that you never really saw before. I know that our listeners are going to be very interested in this topic and um like I'm I'm just hearing this I'm like oh okay this this could be really helpful so where like what would you say would be the first step if people want to look into this more you know um they could do that little exercise that we did earlier on the show or I think you said you had some YouTube videos with um different things to help people with that obviously they can connect with you and we want to give you a chance to explain how they can do that but what what's kind of a good first step for our interested listeners yeah that's a great question i mean i think um if you're talking about kind of everyday stress right Mm -hmm. and there's ways you can just use this in your everyday life right or even like you know, we've all, I had this experience the other day where I'm, I'm working with my pelvis in a new way. And so everything feels like it's in that kind of like messy middle piece where it's getting worse before it gets better as a writer. And so I've been really frustrated after I've been writing recently because everything just feels like what is, hap- what is happening, right? So I'm tapping after these quote unquote, I'm saying this in quotes, bad ride, 
right? To release that kind of perfectionism piece and trust that's going to get better, right? So I think, you know, the negative bias is really real, right? Like that is a, a survival skill that we learned as cavemen and women, right? Ten things happen, you know, nine good, one bad. We obsess about the bad. So I think it's a tool you can use to kind of counteract that negative bias and move through in a much faster way those kind of unwanted emotions and that kind of spiraling that can happen. So if it's something you want to just do in everyday life and there's ways you can do that, um, I'll make sure that I give you kind of a PDF of the points. Um, and you can kind of, you know, start to do that. I always think just doing a session with a practitioner to really learn the modality first, kind of correctly, is helpful. And then I think if you're really someone who's really struggling with anxiety or, or if experienced trauma writing, I just would encourage you to work with the practitioner, myself or someone else, um, just because I think then you can really kind of control the dosage a little bit. Like you do want to go slowly and you want to do it gently and you want to, um, you know, just move at a pace that's helpful. And I think that's just something that's hard to do on your own. So I think being guided by a practitioner in that way is really helpful. Great. And if people want to connect with you, what is the best way? Um, well, one of, my, one of my goals for next year is to really build out my Instagram and really create a community there. I just joined this year. I was very resistant to it. So I just joined Instagram this year. So I'm just on there. But I'm slowly on my Instagram starting to kind of, um, yeah, build some videos there, build a community there. So you can definitely connect with me there. Um, I have a website that if, you, if it's a 20-minute free call that if you have questions about EFT or you want to talk about what working together would look like, you can reach out with questions there. I'm super accessible. My email's there. You can feel free to email me with questions. You're welcome to do that. Awesome. And we'll be sure to link those things in our show notes so the listeners can um, sort of get directly in contact with you. And um, Sarah, you and I can talk outside of this space about working on sort of referrals together as well, because I think it's, again, like, to me, no one's in competition in the mental health world. We're all supporting each other. And so these are like totally. pieces together of how can you blend sports psychology with some EFT techniques. And um, I know in the past, like in own unrelated mental health stuff I've used, therapist and then EDMR and it's like you get different things from both of them because like there is a value to sitting down and talking but some things just can't be talked through like you said so having that totally. sort of physical release I think is so cool and so important and the fact that you've got that equestrian background and stuff like that I know when I'm working with my sports psychology clients in equestrian they said oh I've talked to this person but they didn't know horses so they didn't really understand and get it and that's like I think a huge value to have a EFT practitioner that's got this own, like own personal experience of hey I broke my shoulder and I've been through this and you know I, I do horses in my life that to me is like a huge connection um, one last thing before we wrap up today, uh, the whole equestrian, as a, as a listener, Sarah, you know, we're all into books, books, books here. Um, avid readers, our listeners are always looking for recommendations. Um, is there any books that you can recommend that someone who wanted to explore trauma, pain, EFT, uh, what they could look into? Yeah, so a couple of books came to mind. Emotional Agility by Susan David is one. Um, and it's just really a book around 
how to handle emotions. I think I mentioned this earlier, but we tend to kind of want to cherry pick emotions, right? Feel the good ones and ignore the bad ones. And, you know, emotions are stress in the body. And if, you know, unwanted emotions, you know, become stress and stress has such you know, such a powerful negative effect on the body. And I just think it's a really great book for kind of tools around handling emotions. Um, I also love Burnout by Amelia Nagosi. Um, that's really a book around stress. And again, like the just negative effects on stress, right? When our, we're stressed, our digestion shuts down, right? You can go on vacation and you can eat what you want and you come back and you've lost weight. And it's because on vacation, right? You're calm and you're relaxed and your digestion actually works beautifully, right? When we're stressed, our, our cortisol is high and our bone density is affected and our immune system is dampened and all the just horrific effects of stress. And she just really lays it out in a really beautiful way. She also talks about how exercise really completes the trauma cycle and how exercise is a great way to kind of finish the trauma cycle, which I think is really interesting. Um, so that's a great book. And then kind of one of the seminal texts on trauma, which I know you mentioned you've talked about before, is The Body Keeps the Score um, by Bessel van der Kolk. So that's a great book just in terms of, I would say not a light read, but just a great book about how, yeah, how trauma is, is a body-based, uh, you know, gets stuck in the body and the effects of that and how to kind of move through that. So I think that's a really great read for anyone interested in kind of the, the trauma work specifically. Awesome. Yeah. Um, first of all, really amazing that you can pronounce the name of the author of The Body Keeps the Score. I was like, that was just like, I can never say his name, but that to me is like a seminal work. Um, it is really interesting how they talk about how trauma manifests. And I've got some childhood trauma and got diagnosed with celiac disease in my early 20s. And like the connection between childhood trauma and autoimmune disorders totally. is yeah, like super totally. interesting. And I'm really interested to look in the into the burnout book because I was just talking with my mentor a few weeks ago. Um, and so in America, we use the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Disorders to basically classify. Oh, yeah, totally. The, I, from my understanding, the one that they use in England and the United Kingdom has burnout as a diagnosis of mental disorder, where yeah. we haven't gotten that far in the United States yet. But like burnout is actually like a mental disorder phenomenon that we need to pay more attention to, in my opinion. Totally. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Emily, did you yeah. have any other questions from like, I know I, I went more clinical because I was just so excited to talk to Sarah about all of this. <laughs> and hopefully um, the listeners were able to gain some value. Do you have any other questions from like a layman's point of view? Not to, That sounds like I'm talking down on you, but just from the general popula population, just is there anything else you wanted to ask or explore before we wrap up today? Well, I, I enjoyed listening to that episode, um, you know, because I felt like I was just kind of hearing some, some great points. Um, so I don't have any more questions except one thing that I wanted to ask at the beginning of the episode. You said you're originally from England. I, you know, spent the summer this year in England. Can you just tell me where, where you were? Because I just, I loved my time over there and such a beautiful country. I know, I was, yeah. yeah, I was, yes, I was jealous when you were there because I was supposed to go back in November, but the various reasons didn't happen. So I'm probably going to go back in March to see my family. But so I grew up in Chichester, okay. which is on the South Coast. Yeah. It's put a, about um, an hour from Brighton. I went to high school in Portsmouth. 
Um, and it's kind of Sussex Downs countryside. So it's just beautiful, like, yeah, gorgeous countryside. So pretty there. Beautiful. And I mean, your, your riding experience growing up there sounds fantastic. So I was just curious for, for my... It was um, just like mad dash yeah. on crazy ponies. And yeah, so fun. So I, fun. It was just like chaos, but it was amazing. I love seeing the videos of like little kids in England, just like jumping like four foot like fences. It's not even like a jump. Yeah, on like these tiny on ponies. These ti- yeah, on like ridiculously tiny ponies. Yeah, it's yeah. like, let's let's jump this hedge that's like bigger than a six foot man. And it's just like this little <laughs> pony and this little kid just like legs flopping and they're they're better than all of us. <laughs> yeah, this this is why the Brits um, are better <laughs> than us at events. I loved what you so. said. You said in a, another podcast, Emily, around like in England that the teaching style is more just kind of like less hand-holding and just kind of more like do it or something. For sure. I think you explained it something like that. And I, I heard you say that and I thought, oh, that's true. That was kind of definitely more, the hands-off approach is definitely more of my experience growing up for sure. Yeah. So. Well, it seems to work for for them. So anyway, well, well Sarah, you did you so have much. anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap up today as well? Any uh, closing comments or like a summary of your work and what you do? Um, no. I mean, I feel like I could happily chat with you for like two more hours. So I could go all day. Um, I, I mean, I'm happy to walk you through like a kind of a, if there's sort of, you don't have to share the details. I'm happy to walk you through like a little, a mini tapping, like five minute thing. If you want to close with that, um, no pressure, but yeah, it's up to you. Yeah. I would love to get another extra. I feel like, you know, we usually, uh, wrap up the show with some tips of training tips and grooming tips. And, uh, our old section was actionable advice. So I think that would be an awesome way to wrap up the show um so if you want to do that and then emily and i will wrap up our our usual wrap up yeah yeah so i'm gonna have you so we're gonna i'm gonna kind of call and response but because the viewers are listening i'm gonna have you guys repeat kind of in your head if that makes sense so i'm gonna have if you have um an event that maybe you're still frustrated about or annoyed about or a little triggered around that happened say in the last two weeks just this is for educational purposes we're not going to go too deep but just something if you if something comes to mind that's like happened in the last couple of weeks that you're still kind of a bit annoyed about or frustrated about or kind of triggered around do you guys have have an event that comes to mind you don't have to tell me what it is just make sure you have yep, one I do. yes yep yeah okay great so just tune into that event right and again you don't have to share the details just tune in and just zero to ten without thinking just kind of notice how triggered you are in this moment zero being like totally calm 10 being like incredibly triggered. So just kind of gauge your number. And just give your event, your kind of triggered around, just give it a short title. So again, if for the listeners, if you can do this safely and you're not driving, I encourage you to join along. And for the listeners, you can actually say it out loud after me. And then for Emily and uh, Tyler, they're just gonna kind of repeat it in in their mind. So you've got the event, you've kind of got a little title, a short title for that event, and you've just kind of got a number, zero to 10, how triggering it is. And we're just gonna start on the side of the hand. So Tyler and Emily just must tap on the side of your hand. And you're just gonna repeat after me. So you can repeat it in your mind after me, or you can whisper under your breath if you want. And we're gonna start with this acceptance piece, right? Just kind of acknowledging where we're starting. So you're just gonna repeat after me in your mind, Even though I'm remembering this triggering event, 
and just tune into that event. I'm open to accepting all my feelings around this. Even though when I think of this event, and just insert that title in your mind. And it's a, and just say that number out of 10. I have compassion for everything I'm feeling. Even though I'm thinking of this triggering event, and just say that title, I choose to take a breath and accept myself just the way I am. And you're going to keep your eyes open when you're doing this. You're just going to start on the top of the head, moving to the top of the head point. And just say that title. And just vividly recall the specifics, right? See what you saw, what you heard. Just tune into that event. I'm going to move to the eyebrow. And just say that title again. So triggering. Moving to the side of the eye. All this emotion around. And just say that title. Under the eye. So triggering. And just say that title again. This event. Under the nose. Deep breath. Just saying again, this event, all this emotion around this event. Chin. Just acknowledging how I feel about it. Moving to the collarbone. This event, and just say that title again in your mind. All this emotion around this event. So triggering. Under the arm, just say that title one more time, just tuning into those specifics around that event, really recalling those specifics, what you heard, what you saw, how you felt in your body. I'm gonna do one more point we haven't done yet. So on the back of your hand, between the bones that kind of anchor your little finger and your ring finger, and just that kind of fleshy, piece between those two long bones in the back of your hand, behind your ring finger, and your little finger, and you're just going to tap that point. I'm just going to talk you through some quick eye movements that kind of stimulate the activation of these calming braid waves. So you're going to tap that point, and you're going to keep your head nice and still, just looking forward. And you're just going to look all the way down to the floor, keeping your head still. And you're just tuning into that event, and keeping your head still. You're going to look all the way up to the ceiling. And you're just, again, tuning into that event, that title. And you're just going to imagine you're looking at an imaginary clock. So you're going to keep tapping that point and just staying looking at 12 o'clock for a moment. And keeping your head nice and still, you're going to look all the way to the right. Imagine you're looking at 3 o'clock. And just tuning into that event, that triggering event. And keeping your head nice and steady, you're going to look all the way left to 9 o'clock. Keeping your head nice and still, looking all the way down to 6 o'clock. Taking a deep breath and keeping your head steady, just going all the way to 12 o'clock again. And 
and just taking a deep breath and you can stop tapping. Beautiful. And just checking in. How is that? How is that number now? How do you feel related to that event, Emily and Tyler? I definitely like I mean, I'm a I'm a pretty candid, open person, and uh, so my event, I had I had like literally been so frustrated about finishing my stuff for my doctorate that I was crying to my professor last week. So that was my event that I chose to sort of go with, and it's definitely interesting. I feel like as I was going around the clock, like my emotions were sort of bubbling to like a head, and then as soon as we stopped, it like all just kind of like washed out. I don't know if that's a similar mm. response, but like it was like really almost uncomfortable as I was going around the clock of like feeling like all the emotions like welled up inside. But mm. as I did that final last breath, it just sort of all cleared out for me. Totally. So it's so interesting because tapping doesn't make emotions come out that aren't there, right? So your body's feeling safe enough to actually feel that frustration, that sadness underneath that frustration, right? And so it's giving your body permission to feel everything it wants to feel. And as you said, hopefully that then it kind of, it, it kind of can get, it, it expands a little bit before then it kind of washes out. Yep. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I, what was your experience, Emily? Uh, kind of similar. Like just, I think the acceptance part was the biggest, like talking through that. And then as you tap, kind of just like acknowledging that like it is what it is and what I'm feeling is okay, but um, being able to let that go was kind of what I got. So mine, again, I'm happy to share my experience, but it's just some frustration with having a, a young horse. You know, it's just a completely different thing than my five-star horse. So, you know, mm, he's totally. he's great and very talented, but I sometimes I get a little frustrated. I'm like, well, why isn't he doing this? And I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, he's four, you know? And like, uh, so just... Yeah, that was that was helpful and like again the accepting this is what it is and um, yeah I I that was totally. that was good so yeah and then obviously that was just one round right mm -hmm. like if we were doing a full session it's an hour right so it's like you know if we kept going I'd be like you know Ty, you know Tyler talked about the emotion came up I would do another round just to really make sure it was fully processed out right so we did kind of a very abridged version but obviously we would kind of keep going if this was a real session mm -hmm. but um one thing that spoke to me that comes up for me when you when you said that Emily is around like mantras right and that the reason I think a lot of mantras don't work is that it's kind of like it is like putting a band-aid on an infected wound, right? It's like, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. No, I'm not, I have $10 in my bank account, right? Like yeah. it's that, it's not helpful, but I love the language of EFT to use as a mantra if you're someone who uses mantras. So it's, and also acknowledging that we can have multiple, we can hold multiple emotions, right? We're not that simplistic. So it is like, even though I feel really nervous right now, I'm gonna focus, I choose to focus on the part of me that trusts I've got this, right? And even though I feel X, Y, Z, I trust to, I choose to do this, right? So it's like really acknowledging both parts, I think is really important that acknowledging there is some fear, but I'm choosing to focus on this. Or even though I'm feeling this way, I can still focus on this other thing. And I think that's really powerful. For sure. I, well, thank I you love for it. sharing that exercise. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and thank you so much for coming and being a guest on our show. I hope our listeners got a lot out of this. I know I certainly did, um, and I'm definitely looking forward to continuing this relationship in the future. Um, Again, we'll be sure to put all of your website and social media information in the show notes for anyone that wants to connect with you directly. Uh, But other than that, we're just so grateful to have you on. um, And we really hope you enjoyed the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy to chat with you both. So I thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having having me. And thank you for listening. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.